God's grace and peace be with each and every one of you, dear saints, in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we didn't say together the text for this day. How about if we do it right now? It also serves as our memory from Psalm 121, which also happens to be the psalm of the day. From verse 2, would you join me in reading this aloud? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Psalm 121, verse 2. You may be seated. I saw or heard you all gasp out there. You can't believe how short this memory verse is. You're expecting another line, I know, another verse to go with it. No, we kind of shorten it up a little bit. We don't need to know too much more than what the psalmist says here in verse 2. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, period. We need not look any further. Although sometimes we have the tendency to kind of like do it ourselves a little bit. Oh, our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, period. That's where our life comes from. That's where our help come from, comes from. That's where grace flows from. From our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our God and our Heavenly Father, our almighty triune God who made heaven and earth, and birth new life, new faith into us. So we have here in our texts for today, Genesis 32. Isn't that a wonderful text? It's something that we always wrestle with. I mean, well, Jacob wrestled. We see that in the text. But what does it all mean? I mean, is this just sort of like an allegory, you know, some sort of expanded parable? Is there, we read this only because there is some hidden, deep meaning there, and it's our job to peel it back and find out what exactly is God trying to say? Well, God is trying to say something here. He is speaking to us. Paul tells Timothy, his brother in the faith, that all scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired. It's breathed out from God. It's good for everything, useful for our salvation, to understand the grace that pours forth from him. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for rebuke. It's good for all things that are suitable and profitable for us. The inspired word of God comes to us and allows us to know his presence and his faithfulness, his teaching, his conviction of sin, the grace that comes through the blood of Jesus. Genesis 32 is the inspired word of God. And while there is meaning behind Jacob's wrestling match, it also occurred too. We can't over-allegorize this. It's not just a nice little story that God wants to tell us. Because there's just way too many details here. Jacob is about to cross a river, the Jabbok River. It's the third tributary flowing out of the Jordan River. There's a ford, there's a passageway. So it's vivid what what is about to happen. In reality and in the historical narrative, Jacob approaches this passage across the Jabbok River And he sends his family and all of his material possessions ahead of him. But why does he do that? 
You know the story of Jacob and Esau? Let's kind of like summarize it really, really quickly here. Jacob and his brother Esau, his twin brother, they didn't really get along a whole lot, and some of it could be, be blamed on Jacob himself. I mean, the scripture tells us that Jacob was a con artist, he was a deceiver, he was a liar, he was a manipulator. To his family, <laughs> to the people that he knew, he stole his birthright by deceiving his father. His father was Isaac. And he deceived his father into believing that he was Esau so that he would get the birthright when it really belonged to his brother. That's Jacob. And now Jacob has been blessed materially by God. He's got wives. He's got material possessions. He's a rich man. He's been blessed beyond years. He's got family all around him. And there's one thing that bothers him, that his brother Esau might want to exact some sort of revenge. I mean, Jacob is the spiritual one, right? The one who has soft hands. His brother, on the other hand, Esau, was a big burly guy. He was a hunter. And so he feared his brother that he might take revenge on him. He's about to meet his brother Esau. And so he prepares the way for this meeting. He's afraid that he might be beaten or that he might be killed. So what does he do? He gathers his family and his material possessions and he divides them up. And he sends them out ahead of him, crossing the river, with all of these gifts designed to soothe the heart of his brother, that maybe his brother Esau would now look kindly upon him. And the message was, go and give Esau these gifts and tell him that I will be coming soon. So he sends his family, he sends his material possessions across the Jabbok River, and the text here in verse 21 says, in these five words, and Jacob was left alone. Ever felt alone with your thoughts? That could be good or not so good, depending on what your thoughts are. For Jacob, this was a moment of not so good. Because he was alone with his thoughts and those things that are upon his heart. Him and his God. He had his past before him. His deceptions, his lies, his trickery his deception of his own brother and his own family. You can imagine that pang of guilt that must have laid upon his heart. And then the scripture tells us, a man came and wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. 
So who is this man? Well, the scripture tells us in Hosea chapter 12 that this man is an angel of the Lord. Luther always looked at this passage and saying it wasn't an angel, but it was a theophany. It was God that was manifested in human form. And it was Jacob wrestling with the Lord. Wrestling over what? Wrestling over his past, over his guilt, what the future would bring. His prayers might be yours and my prayers at that particular time. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Oh, Lord, give me strength. Oh, Lord, let Esau not kill me. Oh, Lord, just bless me. And I hope, oh, Lord, that you're with me in the next days ahead. Maybe that's what he was wrestling with. Because it says here he wrestled with him and he triumphs over the Lord. How can that be? What is the message there? Does he pin God? No. He does have this wrestling match with the Lord. It's the kind of wrestling match that people of faith have had with God since the beginning of time. It's that wrestling match of why God me? Why God now? Lord, what's going to happen tomorrow? Lord, get me out of this fix. Lord, forgive me. Lord, give me grace. Lord, bless me. Lord, let me have a way out of this mess. We've all been there. We've all struggled. We've all had those challenges. Jacob is no, is no better than us. In some cases, he's even worse. And he looks at this, and he wrestles with God. He contends with God. He struggles with the Lord. And he perseveres. He perseveres until the words come, let me go. Let me go because we've wrestled all night. And now the time has come to an end. And Jacob perseveres. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Bless him. He's got material possessions. He's a rich man. What is he looking for? What kind of a blessing is he looking for? He's looking for that spiritual blessing, that blessing that money can't buy. It's called grace. It's called forgiveness. It's called God's faithfulness despite the past. It's the hope for the future. It's something that money cannot buy, and Jacob asks for this blessing. How much do we pay for grace? How much do we pay for God to love us? What can we do to earn God's favor? God looks at his people, and he says, have faith. You trust in the poured-out blood of Christ. Come to him. Receive him. Trust him. Jesus tells the parable of the woman and the unrighteous judge, that even in perseverance, an unrighteous judge will give her what she asks will bless her in effect. How much more then 
how much more that a righteous, God-loving God will give you if you persevere in your prayers, if you trust him in faith. How much more will God pour out upon you? And then he asks this, this haunting question. When the Son of Man comes, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find his people trusting in him? Will he find his people contending for the faith? Will he find his people coming to him in earnest prayer and struggling with their God? You see, it's okay to struggle with God. It's okay not to know the answers. It's what God wants us to do. He wants us to, to contend, to strive with him. In our baptism, he comes and he creates this spiritual partnership, this life that he pours into us, this indwelling spirit that we have by virtue of his grace. He calls and he asks us to live out that faith that he began in us with him. And what a better way than to trust him in all things. Will he find faith on earth? Saints in Christ, with us here today as baptized children of God, he will find faith. It's a faith he birthed in us. He will find faith in the remnant who come to worship him. They come to pray with him, for him and to him, asking for blessing. Asking for a way out. Asking for direction. Lord, I can't do it myself. I trust in you alone. Oh, Lord, feed me the body and blood today. Allow me to receive it and know of your grace and the forgiveness of sins. Lord, feed me and nourish me with the means of grace. Bless me abundantly in my relationship with you. Grow me, oh, Lord, in faith. Grow me to trust in you. Allow me to mature in this Christian faith that you have begun in me. Allow me to look to you and you alone. Let me see you as my Lord and Savior and nothing and no one else. That's a modern-day Jacob prayer for us saints today. To contend with God in our challenges, but knowing that he will hear our prayers as he says, come and strive with me. Persevere, looking to him. So, as Paul Harvey would ask, what's the rest of the story then? What happens with Jacob and Esau when he crosses the Jabbok River? He sees his brother, and his brother embraces him. And he hugs him. And they're reconciled. Oh, the blessing that God provides to soothe the hearts of people who have been button heads for years, where God's grace pours out and there's reconciliation and there's peace and there's brotherhood and there's sisterhood. That's the miracle of God. 
a life and a road to take when there sometimes just doesn't seem there is one. We learn that from Jacob. We learn that from our own lives. That God is faithful. You receive that faithfulness this morning as you come forward and receive the body and blood of Jesus. You will receive his forgiveness and you will receive his strength. You will know that there is a way and that there is hope and that there is a future because it's a future that he made for you. Oh, the faithfulness of God who hears our prayers, who blesses at his will, who directs, encourages, enlightens, and brings us to the understanding that he is our El Shaddai, the almighty and everlasting God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.